0: Everybody, and welcome to Semi Pro. I'm your host, Dalton Barrett, aka
1: Barrett Digital, and I'm your boy, Josh Clements or Brit Edit. And this episode is sponsored by people who genuinely think Joker should have gotten 11 Oscar nominations.
0: Wow, we just love Joker here at Semi Pro, and we are so happy to be sponsored by the people who think that it deserved all 11 of its Oscar nominations. Way to go!
1: you people and way to go joker we truly love joker it's it's in many ways it's the film of the decade um that's the podcast for today we'll see you all next week <laughs> there's no other films released in the last 10 years oh no josh you left
0: already I, we have we still got we've only, we're only at a minute we've still got like 19 minutes
1: to fill so i guess we could talk about some of the other films that came out last year that were definitely not as good as joker
0: oh absolutely not but how could they be you know
1: what movie could ever be as good I mean, as Joker? When you think of Joker, the, the first thing that you think of in my mind is always, God, I really love that costume design. <laughs> and the, the boxy suits. I mean, Robert De Niro in that gray suit, oh, that really deserved that. I mean, I'd be, I'm outraged if it doesn't get the win.
0: Oh, it better win all 11 of its nominations.
1: I, I can't see a way that it doesn't because it absolutely deserves everything from the, the cinematography that had no meaning to the costume design, which was Suits. Uh, uh, <laughs> what, uh, Josh, Josh, like Josh this to be sounds fair. like we hate Joker. We don't
0: hate Joker be, here. Josh, we wait, think wait, it's wait, wait, right. wait. No, I, we think it's the best movie of the year and deserves all 11 of its Oscar nominations. Let's be clear here. <laughs> Not just Suits. One of them was red.
1: With a green right, vest. Right. No, no, no. Yellow, yellow vest. Wait, was it green vest? I don't remember. Who no, cares? yellow shirt, green vest.
0: Yes, yellow shirt, green vest. That's that's what we're talking about here. That's costume design, Josh. And that's why it deserves the Oscar nomination over Rocket Man, a movie with over 20 costume changes that all capture the look and feel of Elton John's real costumes in real life without all being recreations of actual costumes. Several of them were originals. 20 costumes versus one red suit
1: boy. Who will win? I mean, the reason... Uh we're talking about Joker a lot it's because Clown Man Bad is the best film of the year, <laughs> and there's really no debating this. <laughs> clown. Oh,
0: You mean Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker? Clown Man Bad?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, that was a reference to the new nickname Palpatine. for JJ Abrams. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's it. Clown. <laughs> All right, let's just get on with it. Uh, top movies of the year, Josh. Why don't you <laughs> kick us off with your? We're, we're doing top five, counting down to our number one, which is the same movie. Uh, and so you guys will probably expect it, but Josh, why don't you? Why don't, this is our Oscar. Uh, Oscar. This is our Oscar nominations for best picture. Our top five. No, I'm just kidding. These are just the movies that we had the most fun with.
1: I should. Okay, so I'm just going to preface this with A. I didn't watch a lot of movies uh, last year. Don't know why, I just kind of didn't have a lot of time or effort. And B. A lot of the movies that I did want to watch last year didn't release in the UK until basically now. I think George Rabbit gets released tomorrow, and then The Lighthouse gets released at the end of the year, so those aren't on it uncut gems doesn't get released till like next week that's not on it but both if they jojo had rabbit released, and the I lighthouse promise are, you they'd be on here both jojo
0: rabbit and the lighthouse are out on digital josh like of you don't loss. have to no you guys don't get digital copies at the same we don't time don't get as digital else? copies
1: at least we don't get them when you get them
0: that's nuts i'll just i'll send you my digital copy of the movie
1: <laughs> the the jojo rabbits it, it hasn't even got a theatrical run yet Wow. Uh, and I'd a Lighthouse, so. Gotcha. Well, I did see Lighthouse. It
0: did not make my list. So let's hear your number five. Now, once again, these are not what we think is like the peak quality of cinema this year. These are just our favorites. Uh,
1: which is why my number five is Toy Story 4, which uh, and maybe it just snuck through purely because of nostalgia, uh, but it, it, was, it was nice to kind of see, I don't want to say a send-off because Toy Story 3 felt more like a send-off, but sort of... Uh, an aftermath, I suppose. A nice little conclusion to this almost family of toys that we've gotten to know over the last God, 20 years. I, I grew up with Toy Story. Uh, it came out just before I was actually born. Uh, I went to go see Toy 10th birthday. So I'd seen Toy Story 4 on my 20th. It was a very severe experience. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was it was a fun film. The the graphic quality, which isn't how I evaluate films, but God, that was brilliant. It was photorealistic at times, which is an amazing accomplishment on Pixar's part. Um, It was just kind of wholesome, I would say. I would agree. I love Toy Story 4 uh to an
0: extent i'm a little upset because there was some behind the scenes stuff that went on that i'm really not going to get into but uh, essentially buzz lightyear was supposed to have the role that woody wound up having in that movie however his character was wrote down and they gave that role to woody i think that would have been a really good watching that movie in retrospect i think it would have been a significantly better because Toy story 3 felt like a send-off for woody but I think this movie could have been a really great send-off for Buzz had they left it the way that they did. But they didn't, and that's fine. And it was still a whole lot of fun. And Keanu Reeves was in it. So, I mean, that automatically makes it ten
1: times better. And who in it. It was, it, was a lot, it was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. My number five is uh, Avengers Endgame. I felt like it almost had to be on the list just because of the... Just all of the culture surrounding the MCU and, and those movies, whether you love them or, or hate them or whatever, there is a, a certain culture that comes with those Marvel movies, and there was a certain atmosphere that came with seeing Endgame Uh, In in the theaters I went opening night and the theater was packed and there were all these people and they were so excited the only thing I can really even relate it to uh, Is uh, seeing the Force Awakens for the first time in theaters and going opening night with that? I mean, that's how Endgame felt it was you know I I was eight years old when I saw the first Iron Man and I remember I saw it in the same theater that I got to see Endgame in and I was actually able to sit in the same seat that I saw the first Iron Man in when I saw Avengers Endgame and that was incredible to me and it was just so much fun just the whole the atmosphere surrounding that it's definitely not I don't even think it's as good a movie as Infinity War but just the experience of getting to do that that's something that I'll get to talk about for the rest of my life is the experience of growing up and I actually was lucky enough to see every MCU film I think except for Black Panther that was the only one I did not see in the theaters and just some work stuff came up where I didn't get to see Black Panther in, in the movie theater so I got to go see in, in in over my lifetime the whole Infinity Saga in the movie theater I got to see every single one of them and that's awesome and I'll never uh, uh, that's something I'll always remember and so in game obligatory it just it had to make my top five
1: uh, yeah, I no, completely agree. Um, Endgame's actually my number four. Uh, there's not a lot that I can say that kind of, otherwise I'd just be echoing you. I will say, you remember the seat that you sat in when you went to go see the first Iron Man? I do, because there was nobody in the theater. Uh, there's a small,
0: local, little small-town theater I go to and have been for years, because, you know, I know the family who owns it and, and all that kind of stuff, and... And so I remember the theater being empty when I went and saw Iron Man. And I remember the seat that I, that I sat in because it was right next to the speaker. And I remember they had just replaced the speakers in this theater because it was so loud. And so that's, that was one of the things that I remember from the atmosphere of seeing that first Iron Man. So when I got to Endgame, I had to go find that seat when I found out it was in the same theater. <laughs> Like, when it was in the same, like, room that it was showing, I was like, alright, I gotta sit in that seat. And so I got to, and that's just another neat little thing that I get to keep with me, and, like, that's something I get to tell my kids, you know? When Avengers Endgame is showing on FX for the third time that week, and they sit down and watch it, and they're like, oh, I've never seen this movie, or whatever, I get to say, yeah. I got to see all 22, except for Black Panther, of the Infinity Saga in the movie theater, and it'll just be neat I'm really excited for it
1: uh, that's when you wake up in the old person's home and realise that all your kids have long gone
0: right <laughs> it's a memory yeah. of a memory
1: I love the idea of someone sitting in your seat and you just like shoved them out the way and just like this is mine <laughs> <laughs> and just refuse to give it up <laughs> uh, but um yeah no, I, 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 there's this mall that's sort of near my house it's about an hour's trip uh, on a bus maybe 20 minutes in car. Uh, it's the biggest mall in Euro- in England, I want to say, if not Europe, second biggest in Europe, if I might be misremembering, but uh, it's, it's gone IMAX theater there, so the first time I saw it, which was opening night, I was not having this film spoiled for me. Um, I managed to get there opening night, IMAX. I will never forget, just the like, so when, when you go to the cinema in England, Something that you'll find is, British people tend to be very reserved in how they react. Um, like, everyone stays silent, uh, there's no talking. If someone even rustles their food, they get a death stare from every single person in the cinema. And they probably get exiled from that country, but...
0: <laughs> the, whole country? To see end
1: game. <laughs> the whole country? The whole country. You make a noise in the cinema, you're never coming back. But, um... <laughs> With with Endgame, I remember just the, like people clapping and cheering and screaming. Uh, <laughs> the thing I really specifically remember was I was like I think I was at the end of the row, and there was this couple next to me, and this the woman at the end of the film just started crying at like Tony Stark's funeral. But it wasn't sniffles; it was like full tears. <laughs> and the husband had to try and comfort her while also keeping his eyes on the film. <laughs> I felt so bad, but I was like, "Yeah, I feel where she's coming from." <laughs>
0: that's, but that's honestly pretty yeah. cute. That's adorable.
1: And yeah, Endgame as a film isn't like as if you take it out of the context that it was released in, it's not some masterpiece of filmmaking, but it is the, a culmination of twenty-two films over the course of twelve years.
0: Right, exactly. That's that's what you have to remember when you're watching Avengers Endgame.
1: Is while it may not be the peak,
0: it may not be as good as Joker. It's not it, cinema. It, yeah, you know, it's not peak cinema. It's actually an amusement park ride. Um, but it, there's a culture around that, and there's an experience that came around seeing Endgame in theater. So that's why it's my number five, and that's why it's your number four, I guess. Uh, my number four is 1917, which I actually just saw last night. So it's very fresh on my memory. But it was great. Um, I'm not huge on war movies. Those usually aren't my favorites. But 1917 was able to, to tell a pretty standard war story just in a way that felt kind of refreshing and, and just really interesting. And the majority of the movie is just two guys. Uh, a big chunk is just two characters. Uh, and that's all. And, and it was uh, it was a one shot movie, similar to Birdman, where it wasn't actually one take, but feels like one take, and it's edited and, and shot like it's all one take, which was neat. There were two cuts I can remember in the whole movie, uh, and they're they're all for dramatic effect, and that really adds to the suspense of the war style of the movie. It's, it was just a, it was really good. Writing was good, acting was good, and that that one shot added to the suspense of the the story that they were telling. So that's why it's on my list. Um, the only times it ever cuts is when the suspense cuts. And so, and that's all I'll say. I don't want to spoil anything about it. But when the suspense stops, the movie cuts. And it only cuts twice. So you're on the edge of your seat the whole time. But you're really, it, it, it's not, it's kind of, it's got some funny bits. It's got some, some, some really sad stuff in it really really great movie it's one i'd recommend it's still out in theaters here uh for me at least so if you can catch it on the big screen uh definitely try and do that i'm a big proponent of seeing movies in theaters especially while you still can
1: hey if i had seen 1917 which i think is out over here and i'm planning on catching next so i think i think next week's going to be entirely dedicated dedicated to me trying to catch up on films that have just come out um, I want it to be nine seventeen, but for a similar reason, I've got John Wick Chapter 3 as my uh, third best film of the year, which, just because it's Chapter 3, that's the entire reason. There's no other reason. Nice. But, um, no, it was, I'm a huge fan of John Wick films, uh, both as sort of an element, because they hold up as both movies and what they represent more so the the ability to show an action film that doesn't need a lot of story or plot but still builds its world really effectively and still makes you care for these characters and uh every film it reminds me a lot of 90s action films with arnold schwarzenegger so like commando or last action hero or basically anything that came out in that sort of period that's what these films are like but they're serious and they're done really well and it it just elevates it to a whole new level. And uh, have, you, have you seen John Wick 3?
0: Oh, yeah, it's in my Honourable Mentions. It's, that series is some of my favourite cinema of all time. And, and it's just mindless action, but it's mindless action done right. Especially in yeah. a world w- where we, you know, we live in a world where mindless action is done wrong 99% the of the time. We do. We live in a society where mindless action films are done wrong of the time and then you've got the 1% which is John Wick and those movies you know you got your Michael Bay movies and your your Transformers and your uh, um, Fast and the Furious and all those movies that are just Hobbs and Shaw all those mindless action movies that are fun But you forget about them in an instant, but then you got your John Wick, which is an, an original series not based off anything it's just it's just a movie that got two sequels and they're both great and just mindless action and it's so much fun and so yeah that's yeah. it's 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 funny
1: that you um you mentioned michael because i was going to say uh i recently called six underground on netflix because they keep on advertising it to me and like all I when i was watching it it's complete mindless fun complete nothing about it is meant to have any kind of actual sort of substance it's meant to be you know look at the cool cars flip look at look at the cool action there's there's a shot in the film and it's in the final film where there's i think it's like a three second shot where they just didn't put anything on the blue screen (laughs) so you can you can literally just see the set around them and i'm just like wow that is next level but you're so I don't want to say ingrained, but you just, you know what you're expecting from that. But then you go watch John Wick and you see Keanu Reeves stab someone in the eyeball, and that sticks with you for like weeks and weeks on end.
0: And you expect to see the same thing when you see John Wick. You expect, because you hear John Wick and people talk about it and they're like, yeah, it's just Keanu Reeves in an action movie and there's not much story. It's pretty much just focused on the action that's what you expect you expect like your six underground or you know your Hobbs and Shaw that's the kind of movie that you expect to see but when you actually see it it's so much better than those because number one it 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 does really well the show don't tell which is like the number one rule of movies okay. it does all of its exposition in a way that feels natural and just shows you the world that you're living in instead of telling you every detail of what's going on treats you like a smart person
1: one one of the things i like about it is it's just it's very matter of fact it's like okay he is an assassin he used to work for these guys they want him dead he wants them dead he wants his life back they killed his dog like there's no they killed his dog that's the only thing that matters in these movies there's no like another thing i like about it is in, it's kind of weird because I don't want to say it's very black and white but it, it's very black and white with flashes of grey where John is absolutely the good guy, quote-unquote. He, you know, he's just fighting to survive and everyone else is out to kill him because of money or personal reasons but at the same time you've got to remember that this is a guy who used to be a trained killer and probably killed hundreds if not thousands of people who were most likely undeserving but,
0: it's it's black and white by that universe's definition of black and white which is another right, reason yeah. i like it that world's version of black yeah. and white he is the white and the rest of them are the black but if you take and put our spin on it from our earth i mean he's probably the bad
1: guy in nine out of
0: ten movies uh
1: yeah it, he's gonna end up being taskmaster in <laughs> <laughs> right yeah i don't um, know. but yeah i like i like I john wick chapter three the action in every film is just the previous film but bigger and it's one of the situations where i am perfectly content with that because each film holds its own standard quality.
0: oh yeah and they all they I, I i think they keep getting better too it's mm, it's absolutely. it's the rare film series where each one adds to the last and you have to watch them as a trilogy you can't just watch the first john wick anymore you have got to watch the trilogy because you just get so sucked into it it's it's like a like a pringle can't eat just one pringle you gotta eat a whole can uh my number
1: three what is your number three
0: my number three is rocket man uh i loved rocket man i'm a huge elton john fan when it comes to music <coughs> uh i'm not the biggest musical fan uh in terms of like movie i'm a huge fan of Taryn egerton i think he's a phenomenal actor. And so Rocketman just, it hit me in all the right spots. I thought it was great. Uh, the music was phenomenal, the way that they told this story. Instead of just, uh, it's what I think Bohemian Rhapsody missed. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody told this story of Freddie Mercury, and then there were some songs sprinkled in, and they were just kind of there. Rocket Man is a straight-up musical. I mean, we're talking Broadway-style, La La Land musical. People break out into songs and dance, and there's these huge, big set pieces with all sorts of special effects and costume changes and uh, like an actual physical musical, but it's with Elton John's music from the past, which is just such a creative way, and I'm really surprised no one's done that yet, and they haven't. There's not another musical biopic like this that that has existed so for me it had to make number three i mean it was so good and it was so much fun too i mean it was it it was a pretty downer story but it's just one that you get sucked into and you have a whole lot of fun because all the cast was just having a good time with it uh one of my it up until fairly recently it was my favorite movie of the year and uh, then I had to reevaluate, and now it's down to number three. But because some great movies came out this year, but yeah, it's one of my favorites. I'm really disappointed it only got nominated for one Oscar. I think it deserved a, a couple more. But that's that's just me. Uh, Taron Egerton did a phenomenal job playing Elton John. I don't think, looking at it now, I don't know of anyone else who could have done a a better job than he did.
1: Yeah, I uh, I never saw the film. I like I really wanted to because I'm not the biggest fan of Elton John and his work, but. Every time he pops up, you know I don't skip him, and he's he's always it's always something nice to listen to. Except Crocodile Rock, we we don't ah, talk about. Yeah, I love Rock.
0: Crocodile Rock. That's actually my favorite scene in the movie. Oh, is when no. he's playing Crocodile Rock. That the scene in the movie will give you a new appreciation for the song when you when you finally get around to seeing it.
1: Probably, um but yeah, not everything I saw about it looked so fantastic. I. The, the best way I think I saw it described was it's what Bohemian Rhapsody should have been.
0: Yes, absolutely. And it was much, because uh, I saw both, and I like Queen, I like Elton John a little more than I like Queen, music for music, but I think film for film, this was a significantly better movie than Bohemian Rhapsody. So if you liked Bohemian Rhapsody, you're going to love this movie. And if you didn't like it, you're probably still going to love this movie. Uh, if you're a fan of Elton John's music, if you're not, if you're just a fan of musicals, this will probably be something for you to check out, but like I said, I think it was a really great movie. Uh, it's being turned into a Broadway play, a Broadway musical, which is really neat uh, to see that happen, so that's just another thing I get to look forward to with this story.
1: What's uh, what's your number two? Number two is kind of standard. It's The Irishman. I only caught that in the last few days, um, but it, it, it was great. It's I don't want to say it's standard Scorsese, but I don't think Scorsese's really made a bad film. Like he's made films that I've been more of a fan of than others. Um, I'm not a big fan of Hugo, but I respect him stepping out of his (laughs) comfort zone in that way. Right, right. Um, But yeah, it was. It's a bit long, you know. It is three and a half hours. Uh, I probably we could spend that time doing something more useful. I
0: haven't been able to dedicate six hours to a movie yet but uh i do i love scorsese wolf of wall street is one of my favorite movies of all time um and i'd forgotten it existed until just now but yeah i definitely do check out the irishman
1: i just haven't had a chance i mean i I have a huge respect for scorsese because he's done you know everyone attributes sort of him and gangster films together and you can see why, because he, he he's done Goodfellas, The Irishman. He's fantastic at it. But then he comes out with films like Silence, and just Hugo, the King of Comedy. It's he he is a fantastic director. Um, Shutter Island. I mean, he it, it, again three hours long. You do have to dedicate a while to it. I spent it. I spent my time watching that when I probably should have spent it doing actual work and stuff that might actually help <laughs> me in life. But um, it's yeah. great. Uh, de Niro, Pesci, and uh, Pacino are all just oh, right, perfect in it. Um, the, the the issue with the Irishman comes from stuff that you can't really help. It's it's not. I mean, technically, it looks fantastic. They had to invent a new camera to film the de aging process on this because he refused to have people in like mocap dots. <laughs> um,
0: I've heard the the only complaint I've heard about the de aging was that um, when Robert De Niro is de aged, he still walks because they filmed him and then de aged his face, and so he yeah. still walks like an elderly man.
1: That that was uh, that what I was gonna get at. It's like it's not anything that you can help. That there, there's a scene. It's not a spoiler or anything where he's beating up a grocery store worker for basically shoving his daughter. And uh, he like he throws him out of the door, and he goes to kick him, and, <laughs> and you can tell that it all sort of breaks the illusion because you can tell that De Niro's an eighty-year-old man again.
0: Right. And you're yeah. like,
1: eh, it looks rough. That's what I've
0: heard. I don't, that's the only. But if that's the only like, complaint somebody has, that's that's okay yeah, with me.
1: You know. I mean, the 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 character writing, the script writing, the set design, costume design. <laughs> People in suits, fantastic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, the, the acting, the cinematography, the writing, the music it is it's really great. Um, the last sort of half an hour, I think, is maybe some of my favourite De Niro acting he's ever done. Uh, it's, it's very, it's quite heartfelt in a, in a lot of ways. It's just about this guy, you know, an average Joe. And his life, uh, you know, his friends, his family, the things that he had to do, but it it, it just flows really well, and you know, I can I get why it's nominated for so many Oscars.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, like I said, it's one I plan on checking out, just haven't had the chance to yet. Um, let's see. So my number two, that was your number two, was The Irishman. Mine is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh great, great movie, probably my favorite Tarantino film. I really loved it. Uh Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt in that movie were as Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth were such a team. They had chemistry like you would not believe that two grown men could have with each other. It was so fun watching them on screen and the big twist at the end, I guess it's been out long enough for me to Yeah, I'd
1: say I mean yeah if it's if it's ready to be nominated for an oscar
0: right i don't i don't think i'm i'm spoiling much by saying that it is about the marilyn manson murders because they didn't give that away in any of the trailers to my knowledge
1: and I mean, so they I, kind of did i mean there's there the cast in uh that they, they make a mention of charlie and they like show uh the, the guy who played charles manson
0: right but even in the movie uh, they never called him charles manson um they um
1: fun fact he also went on to play charles manson in Mindhunter. oh neat that's pretty cool um he played charles, so he played him at two different points in his life uh, early stages and then if have you you've not seen mind Hunter, have you i've not you absolutely need to check out is i'm gonna okay hot take <laughs> I'll (laughs) I'll get to that far later, hot taken by Mindhunter in this very special episode.
0: Oh, are we saving that for for later? Is that what we're doing? Yeah, yeah. Okay, let, let me finish my statement on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. They don't give away in the movie that it's about the Manson murders until the end. Even if you don't know it is, there's another twist at the end that I won't spoil about the Manson murders so the more you know about those do your research about the Manson murders before going in to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and the second twist will blow you away and it's really interesting and it was a really fun movie it was a it was a huge it was a a long big budget what if movie and that was great and I loved every second of it I loved Rick Dalton's character. Uh, that's Leonardo DiCaprio and I loved Brad Pitt's character and how they worked together and it was just it was so good Tarantino never disappoints I don't think even Tarantino at his worst is still fun to watch so that's why it's my number two uh, I hope it I hope it takes home it's nominated for best picture if I remember correctly there's no way it yeah, takes okay. home best picture but I would love if it did
1: Hi uh, just really I'm curious what's your least favorite Tarantino film? Oh, least favorite.
0: You know? What mine is. Um, Give me yours, and I'll think for a second so that I can give mine.
1: Least favorite's Jackie Brown.
0: Okay. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of his half of Death Proof, and I can't remember. I'm doing some research to look up. Uh, No, he did all of Death Proof, didn't he? Death Proof and another movie were stitched together to make Grindhouse. I don't love Death Proof. That's not, uh, that. that's probably going to be my least favorite. Uh, okay, yeah, I can do
1: that. My issue with Jackie Brown is it's just forgettable. I right. never remember anything about it. Right. Uh,
0: love Kill Bill, both of yeah, them. Uh, love Django, Pulp Fiction. I'm a huge fan of Tarantino. Like I said, even at his worst, he's still enjoyable. Uh, but once upon a time my hollywood is probably my favorite movie that he's done which is I guess a bold statement cuz he's had so much good film but yeah it was really really good so uh, now we've got our big unveiling and we have <laughs> yeah, we had the we- same movie which is funny but i'm going to let you announce your number 1 movie of the year is joker yes cuz this <laughs> this episode of semi pro was brought to you by people who think that all 11 of the oscar nominations that joker got were deserved. Uh, no,
1: but seriously our, our, our actual, uh, I know that it, both of our favorite film of the year was Knives Out uh, Absolutely fantastic loved every second of it um, I cannot snuff and tell just I can you can break down every single scene and there's at least five reasons why it's good
0: knives out is one of those movies that is number one it's an original story which there are uh, if you look at my list i've got let's see only three of the movies out of my five movie list are original stories rocket man of course is based off of the life of elton john so it's a story based off something else i guess 1917 technically is based off of uh true events so scratch that one once upon a time in hollywood and knives out are both original stories um avengers endgame of course is based off of marvel comics and is a sequel so knives out being an original movie makes it stand out for me um but it's just a murder mystery it's and that's that is a genre that has been done to death um and it has been tried and it's really hard to tell a murder mystery story that still keeps you interested in who the killer is because all of the tropes have been done to death to the point where when you see a murder mystery You know who the killer is and so the fact that ryan johnson my boy was able to direct a movie himself the the absolute madman ryan johnson directed a murder mystery movie that kept me on the edge of my seats and made me care about every single character even the ones i don't like i care about ah man it was great and i can't it's getting a sequel
1: so that's awesome it's it's kind of franchise and i am absolutely here for it you know what Hot take. Um, <laughs> Knives Out deserves a costume num more so than Joker. Yes, it does. And I would agree. <laughs> I After watching Knives Out, I wanted to look like Daniel Craig in that film for weeks. You know
0: what I did? I went after I saw Knives Out and I bought the cardigan that Chris oh. Evans wears. <laughs>
1: yes. Mine's, yes. Mine's,
0: mine's a darker gray, but I went and bought it. 'Cause it was it was great. And the thing about Knives Out that I love so much is number one, it's timeless. Uh Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, of course, is dated in the uh, when it's in the seventies.
1: Seventies? Uh
0: Rocket Man is seventies and eighties, nineteen seventeen is of course the nineteen tens. Uh and endgame is modern day, but endgame is very modern day. Endgame <laughs> yeah. will not Endgame will be weird to watch on its own in ten years because it's dated. And I think a lot of movies are dated, but *Knives Out* is one of those movies where it it came out today, so it's not a period piece, but it feels timeless.
1: It, it feels like it, yeah. It feels like it could be any time. Um, you know, it, visually, it looks like it could be something out of the '90s, but then there's smartphones and there's modern day text and speak, and there's clear influences from just a bunch of different times. But it's so and even so fantastic.
0: And Daniel Craig, his southern drawl, he. Talks, he draws out every word like he is a man from the 1940s in a murder mystery that plays in black and white on me TV every night before I go to sleep. And it's like there's things like that, and then the story itself feels very like 50s, 60s, like classic film.
1: But I love, I love how much of it, it, so we were saying it's a completely original story, and it also does the best thing that a mystery can do, which is keep you guessing just when you think something gets revealed they go they flip that on its head and then they flip it again and they just keep on going until it makes sense and it just it's so so fantastic
0: you could and, say uh,
1: josh the knives think... out
0: subverts your expectations
1: in the best way in yeah. the best way possible but um like the like divine johnson what a man. Uh, I don't what want to talk about spoilers about on this because I really think that if you haven't seen the film absolutely go into it blind
0: oh this is um, one movie that no matter how long it's been I will never spoil I'll never talk about the spoilers of Knives Out in public if, if, unless I know that everybody around me has seen it because it's one of those that you do you need to go in blind there's only absolutely. one scene that I've spoiled because it's the best scene in the movie and we're going to talk about it here for just a brief second because I know you all appreciate it it's daniel craig is in his car and he's got headphones in and he's listening to music and he's singing along and jamming out and then some loud noises are going on in the background so he takes out his earbuds and he goes oh lord and then he hops out of the car and it's the most beautiful scene it's the most beautiful 10 seconds that i think has been in any movie in the past
1: hundred years since the invention uh, the, of film. the thing is is it's, it's- Words don't do it justice. No. everything about that is perfect. The camera's placed at just the right angle that you get Daniel Craig sitting in his car jamming out some tunes. while well, just to the side, you can see all the carnage that's going on in the background. and you just see Daniel Craig going bad da and it's <laughs>
0: it's played like a very standard comedy shot. Uh, because that would be the normal comedy shot that you see in a movie where that happens and all the stuff's going on in the background and they never realize it and it's just like, haha, that's so stupid because they don't realize all the stuff that's going on because they have headphones in oh, Daniel Craig, oh god oh frick, he's got airpods in he can't hear and like, that's what you're expecting but then all of a sudden he does hear and then his delivery of the oh lord, is the most perfect delivery <laughs> ah, and that's one scene. That's one scene that makes this whole movie worth it. And the rest of the movie is just as good as that one scene. Check it out if you okay. haven't already. You
1: could, you could break down any scene in this and there's so many reasons why it's good. But like, one of the. Oh, this is probably the final thing I'll say on this, because um, I do want to talk a little bit about honorable mentions. But I, one of the things I love is how small scale and how grounded the film is. Absolutely. it's not. It's not like okay, so we had we both had Endgame on our list, right? Right, and Endgame's this universe-defying. If they fail, all life will lose. With with Knives Out, I think the biggest tension between it is whether someone's mum might have to leave. <laughs> I mean, honestly, yeah. Ugh. That's it. And there's okay again, no spoilers. But there's a scene involving sort of a car chase, and it's not with a professional. Um, Driver or anything—it's just a normal person who gets in a car chase, and they—they they think that they've lost the person chasing them, and the person chasing them just pulls up behind and goes, "That was the dumbest car chase I've ever seen." It's great because of course you're not—you're not, you're not going to outrun someone in an urban environment like that. In there, right?
0: Uh, and then another thing that that I think is um, uh, that is worth mentioning is a lot of the movies, like *Knives Out*. Um, that you hear people talk about in the capacity that Knives Out is talking about, Lighthouse is one of those for me. Joker is one of those. I think are they're good, but they're almost pretentious. Um, and Knives Out is not that movie. It's that quality of movie, but it's not. Because uh, I saw Lighthouse, uh, and it it was it was a good story, and it was well shot, and it was unbelievably well acted. But it was like there's this there's this mentality of lighthouse where it's like i'm better than a normal movie and that that's the same mentality that that i think a lot of these uh oscar bait or oscar movies kind of have um and knives out was, was getting a lot of oscar buzz and i know a lot of people may not have seen knives out because that's not their style of movie Because it's really not my style of movie either. I think there are those movies where it's just like, Oh yes, I like film. I watch film, so... uh, The Lighthouse is my favorite film of all time. Hmm." And the newest trend is like, make those pretentious movies, make those movies where they're just accessible enough, where mass audiences can get into them and feel smarter about themselves because they like these pretentious movies. Knives Out is absolutely not that. And they even make a point in Knives Out of making sure you know that it's not that, and that's another one of the reasons why I just loved it. Like I said, one of my favorite—it's—it's it's easily my favorite movie of the year. I think it's probably my favorite movie of the decade. I love this movie. I love Spoiler Ryan Johnson. For next week, yeah, spoilers for next week. Next week we're doing our top ten movies of the decade. But right now we're gonna do our honorable mentions for this past year i'll go ahead and do mine and then josh we'll just kind of rapid fire these off give a brief explanation of why they made the list shazam is one of mine uh, i loved shazam it was probably my favorite comic book movie of the year but i had to put Endgame on the list just because of the you know the the obvious culture that surrounded that and and the experience that came with seeing it but i would say shazam's a better movie dr sleep was an excellent sequel to The Shining. They will make a fantastic double feature once it comes out on digital. I'm very excited for that. Marriage Story with Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson is on Netflix. If you haven't seen it yet, definitely check it out. It's just a little slice of life, but it's a beautiful little movie uh, with some great acting. I mean, Adam Driver uh, was so good, and so was Scarlett Johansson. Great acting in that. John Wick 3 made my honorable mentions for all of the reasons that I gave before, earlier in the podcast, and Crawl, which is um, a Sam Raimi produced movie. He didn't direct it, but the Sam Raimi th- handprint is all over that, so definitely check out Crawl if you had the chance. Those are my five honorable mentions. There are more that I saw that were great uh, that just didn't make the
1: list, but Josh, what about you? Um, I agree with basically all of those like I said, I haven't really been able to catch that many movies this year. Uh, a lot of what I have called, you ended up saying, in your honourable mentions. Uh, there is something I want to give a shout out to, though, and that is Mindhunter. I can't even remember if this came out last year or the year before, <laughs> but Mindhunter is genuinely... I say this about a couple of shows, Daredevil in particular, but Mindhunter is one of the best shows I think I've watched. It's, it's another thing that's incredibly down-to-earth. Um, it, it's in, in, in a few ways it's a procedural drama but it, all it is is these two guys who work at the FBI interviewing serial killers before they were serial killers and basically figuring out how they could predict and catch ones in the future and uh, everything about it is brilliant set design makeup makeup in particular, if you ever get a chance, look up a comparison between the actors and the actual people. It is insane. Um, And I mentioned it earlier, Charles Manson in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, he plays Charles Manson again in Mindhunter. A slightly different point in his life. He's gone to jail, he's been there for a few years, and...
0: Charles Manson isn't in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that much. He's got like one scene. And I, like I, don't like ni- scene yeah. I don't even think he speaks, so it'll be neat to see that. Uh, I'm going to say Mindhunter and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood share a cinematic universe, and I'm just going to say that, and I'm going to watch Mindhunter.
1: Okay, I would agree with you if the ending to uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood didn't happen.
0: <laughs> oh, right. I guess they can't take place in the same...
1: Because uh, they they also speak to one of the the Manson family members just after, but um no it, it's it's fantastic the the actor uh, the way that he like he mimics everything about Manson from his movement to his voice to and you you believe that he's Charles Manson and like I said the makeup is beyond amazing and I could go on for Mindhunter for hours and hours but basically my thing is watch Mindhunter. <laughs>
0: uh okay so. <laughs> Is that Mine Hunter is a TV show, so is it in your honorable mentions for film? Yeah. It, it's in my honorable
1: mentions because it, I think it has the quality
0: of a movie. And it premiered in 2017 and ran two seasons, so it didn't even come out last year. And it's a TV show, but it's still in your honorable mentions for favorite 2019 movies. Got it. Anything else?
1: Uh, no, that's pretty much I just want to say it was done by David Fincher or Lynch. I can never remember which one. I want to say Fincher. <laughs> David Lyncher. Wait. The didn't think of God, <laughs> that's... Maybe... <laughs> <he ain't.
0: laughs> but I didn't, uh, whoops, okay, I uh, mean, <laughs> is this where we wrap up? You
1: <laughs> So Is that where we <laughs> It's Fincher, just by the way. <laughs> my, my favorite films of this year, David, <laughs> David Lynch and Clown Man Bad. <laughs>
0: My goodness, we got to wrap up this episode of Semi Pro. We've talked for far too long. Next week, we're doing our top ten of the decade. So and then,
1: after that, it should get a bit more back to normal. Bit of news, couple of interviews, couple of getting Justin on to fix whatever bad franchise you want. Right, we talked about
0: another series we're gonna be trying out this year, uh, where we do the theories. Um, like movie and television theories. That'll be fun. It's film theory is what we're doing. Uh, We're stealing other people's ideas. We've got one that we've been sitting on and wanted to do a podcast episode on for a long time. So let us know. You can tweet us or whatever if you want to see us explain how Community and Breaking Bad take place in the same universe. Um, because that's an episode we're going to do regardless of whether you want us to or not but that's one we're very excited for but I guess that's going to do it Uh, Josh you want to close us out Oh, you can follow us on Instagram I'm Barrett Digital he's Brit Edit and we have a Twitter page for the podcast what is that one Josh
1: it's at Josh and Dalton or at Dalton Josh whatever one has a semi-proved logo on it I can never remember
0: (laughs) and also if you're on iTunes and I think you can do it on Spotify I really need to check so that when we wrap this up Uh, I don't sound like an idiot, but if you want to leave us a review, drop five stars on that and share this podcast with your friends, it's a whole lot of fun to record and we want to just build up our listening audience. To people who don't just follow us on Instagram, we want to reach more and more people. Uh, You can use your Amazon Echo to play this by just saying, Alexa, play the Semi Pro Podcast and we'll start playing I tested that the other day, and it was really neat, and mine's about to go off, so I'm going to unplug it real quick. But yeah, tons of cool stuff you can do, Uh, but now I'm just rambling, so Josh, why don't you actually close us out this time?
1: Thank you for joining us on this episode, and just to recap, the top five movies in the year for the both of us was Joker, 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 and Knives Out. Thank you, and we will see you next time.